This is Ari McManus, and thank you for listening. So, I think about the Velveteen Rabbit a lot, because, well, because I've had Scarlet Fever. That's right, Scarlet Fever. It's still around. I even had it during 2020, and it was quite surreal with such an infectious disease during the COVID-19 pandemic. Anyway, I don't think I can pinpoint a single time I've read The Velveteen Rabbit. Or does its tragedy permeate off its pages like that ending to Old Yeller or Where the Red Fern Grows? Anyway, in short, The Velveteen Rabbit was published by Marjorie Williams in 1922, three years after the end of the 1918 flu pandemic. The book depicts a story about a stuffed animal who wants to become real with the love of his child, but the child comes down with scarlet fever. After a doctor prescribes for the child to recover by the seaside and that his room needs to be disinfected, which means all of his books and toys, including the stuffed animal, were burnt. When contemplating about how stuffed animals are disinfected in the present to prevent the spread of COVID-19, I kept coming back to this book, especially as I struggled to find details about how people disinfected toys during the 1918 flu pandemic. Were toys like the Velveteen Rabbit, like were they burned or were they disinfected in another way? One great digitized resource is the Influenza Encyclopedia, which was produced by the University of Michigan Center for the History of Medicine and Michigan Publishing. It provides an easy chance to explore different articles or public health reports either by city or you can search by specific terms. For example, when looking at how to disinfect toys, I wasn't sure what key terms to use at first. The Influenza Encyclopedia offers search terms and suggestions, which can offer a place to start. Sanitation was one of them, but this did not really help me. Sanitation is a much larger story during the flu pandemic. Therefore, I tried using more specific terms like stuffed animal, toys, lie, cleaning toys, and burning. There were bits and pieces of information I could find, but not a lot. At least, there was not a lot that focused on the individual steps to disinfect toys or the home. This may take a longer search or I could contact somebody for help to see what they can think of off the top of their head. I did find a lot of great resources about how resources about how to prevent the flu. Not all of it made sense though. Science communication is important. The goal of the communicator should be to translate the information so people can understand its importance and relevance. Some sources I found did not necessarily help or I felt confused by the wording, how they were worded. A personal favorite of mine was a list of don'ts for people to follow. This was published in 1919 by the Department of Health of the City of Chicago in the report and handbook of the Department of Health for Chicago. So, influenza don'ts. Don't live in the dark. Don't shut the sunshine out of your home. 
Don't exclude fresh air. Don't fail to keep clean. Don't go into crowded spaces. Don't associate people who s don't associate with people who sneeze and cough in your presence. Don't use common towels. Don't fail to practice what you preach. Don't overtax your physical powers. Cut out evening entertainment. Be in bed by 10 o'clock. Get nine hours sleep. Don't fail to sleep with every window in your bedroom open. Don't fail to call your doctor for yourself or any member of your family at the first sign of illness. Better be safe than sorry. Don't allow your home to become damp, chilly, or uncomfortable. See to it that it is kept at a temperature of at least 68 to 70 degrees all the time. Don't fail, if possible, to walk to your work in the morning and to your home at night. The open air exercise will be of decided benefit. And that article, it leaves a lot of information to be decided, desired. Like, don't live in the dark. Not sure if I understand what that means, but also this could be due to my contemporary life. My favorite is don't exclude the fresh air because to me that means don't forget about fresh air. But a few friends of mine thought it meant no fresh air. Yet at the bottom, it recommends walking to get more fresh air. For burning, I found a few mentions such as the report and handbook of the Department of Health of Chicago for years 1911 to 1918. So, same handbook as earlier. Um, it mentioned that all discharges from the nose and throat of the patient are properly collected and destroyed by burning. I'm going to read a special report from that handbook now as well. During this survey work, the health officer treated any cases of influenza found until recovered, unless a physician was employed. He also obtained, if possible, nursing care for the patient if needed. Also took necessary steps to correct insanitary conditions encountered. A total of 49,078 visits were was made in connection with this survey work. Inspection service. This service was planned with the idea that a visit to a family early in the disease and careful instructions in the following items might prevent subsequent cases in the family, etc. The field health office was instructed to cover the following points. A. See that the case is properly isolated. B. See that all discharges from the nose and throat of the patient are properly collected and destroyed by burning. C. See that the attendant is at all times, quote-unquote, masked when in the patient's room. All members of the family should wear the face mask for their own protection while at home. D. 
milk bottles shall not be taken into the patient's room and must be boiled by the family before returning to the milkman. And that article too. Throughout newspapers and public health reports, I found similar information throughout. It seems similar today that sanitation is important, disinfecting streetcars, avoiding crowded places, and the importance of wearing masks. Scientists release information about reasons to why people should wear masks, especially if they are to come into contact with cases of respiratory cases of respiratory infections. But masks should be worn in general. So here is another example of an article. This one is from the Los Angeles Evening Herald, published on January 1919. 25 Pasadenians are fined as violators of flu mask law. 25 violators of Pasadena's anti-flu mask law were fined in the city today. M.O. Langarden, who refused to wear a mask because he said the creator gave him a mouth to use and did not cover with a dirty rag, paid a fine of $5. 15 men who failed to keep the mask over their noses, most of them because they wanted to smoke, were fined $3 each. 10 others were caught without masks, were fined $5 each. Petitions demanding the repeal of the mask ordinance are being circulated. It is claimed several thousand signatures have been obtained. End article. I guess some things have never changed. Works cited. The Velveteen Rabbit. Wikipedia. January 2021. William Spitzer and John Fraser, Advancing Community Science Literacy from Journal of Museum Education. Volume 45, Number 1, January 2020. John Dill Robertson. Influenza Don'ts. From Report and Handbook of the Department of Health for Years 1911 to 1918. From 1919. John Dill Robinson. Special Reports from Report and Handbook of the Department of Health of Chicago for years 1911 to 1918. The Influenza Sweep, an article from Baltimore American, October 1918. Brewster Doust. Face Masks and Infections of Respiratory Tract, Journal of American Medicine, October 1918. Flu Mask Order Stands Option is permissible. Indianapolis Star, November 1918. Everybody is asked. Everybody is asked to wear flu mask. Desert Evening News, October 1918. And that is all. Thank you for listening.